There are men who love their children, but hate the guardians of the galaxy. There are men who now prefer Easy Street to Yancey Street. And then there's Adam Bernstein and Doug Bost. Men who should have better things to do, but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men. Grown-ass men. Welcome to podcast number three. I'm Adam Bernstein. I'm Doug Bost. All right. We've been having a good deal of fun doing these, and we come up with uh, some topics, and we hope our massive listener base, which is growing by the day... Mary. <laughs> yeah, Mary, will uh, begin to comment, and, you know, there'll be a place on the website that you are listening to this through that you'll be able to comment. So, uh, I see you're holding... Is that all? I so enjoyed. I so enjoyed our last topic, which was B-list heroes, and yet, as soon as you talk about B-list heroes, you start talking about the A-list heroes too. So we we we're trying to keep the focus even more on a couple of B-list heroes. There is one hero who had a ten-issue run in the seventies. And he was called Omega the Unknown. That's and right. I have no idea who thought this was a good idea to make comic books about Omega the Unknown. There's a kid, right? Is he the kid? He's. It's a little like Shazam. Omega had cosmic powers, and he was kind of like a man-child. Right. He didn't speak. No, no words. Never said right, anything. Right, right, which right. frustrated all of his opponents who were some of the worst villains <laughs> ever created. And that was one of the great things about Omega, is that he had the crappiest villains. But Steve Gerber did Omega, right? Steve Gerber, who also created Howard, Howard the, the Duck. Duck. And he's a good writer. He's, he's like a an great interesting... writer. And he created Omega, and I need to give Omega another shot. All right. And see if it's really good. But I do have... A collection of all of the Omega comics, and just I gotta point out, holding a graphic novel of every Omega appearance, all ten issues, including his denouement in issue seventy-seven of the Defender. I just have to point out a couple of these villains. Issue four, he fights El Gato. Oh, he fights El Gato. El Gato. And the cover of Omega, the Unknown, issue four, is well worth Googling, my friends. Knight of a Thousand Claws. And Ah. Omega is in an alleyway, and uh, El Gato is in a yellow unitard with a cape. And he's leaping, and he's got like that terrible, he's got a real receding hairline. Yeah. And he's leaping down toward Omega, and he says, you have defied El Gato. Senor, now my fanged minions bring you death. And and alley cats <laughs> are attacking severe. Omega. It is the crappiest villain. They no, bring you death. That's, uh, that's pretty Never intense. would Spider-Man fight El Gato. Although, I guess Spider-Man had some bad... But he had a lot of runs skate, with the black cat. Skateboard. Who was that skateboard villain that he had? But oh, there's another really know. bad villain that Omega has. The Wrench. <laughs> Issue number six. 
I may seem like just another muscle-bound bum to you, but you ain't felt power till you feel the power of the wrench. He's just like <laughs> the, the wrench. worst, the worst Does handyman he have a you would ever call. Like you call this guy to fix your sink, and he comes, <laughs> and he just. He just ruins your bathroom. Right. Like he takes a dump in your bathroom <laughs> and you can't use it oh. for a day and a half. It almost seems like he was hoping he could be Thor, but he only has a wrench. He's only got a wrench. He wanted a hammer and he got the wrong tool. Uh, I feel bad so, for the wrench. <laughs> Omega the Unknown. I have compassion for the wrench at this point. <laughs> the wrench. The wrench. He wanted Thor's hammer. Now, at this point, we should probably interrupt and point out that there's a lot that we left out when we just talked about Omega. For instance, that Omega was written by Steve Gerber and Mary... Screenies. Mary Screenies. And illustrated by Jim Mooney. And that in the story, Omega is an alien who's psychically linked to uh, an artificially created boy named James Michael Starling like a he's almost he's not a robot he's like a he's like an AI sort of but he's he's more human and Omega is psychically connected to him and and psychically bound to protect him in some way and I think that one of the things that we just made fun of is also kind of the point of Omega which is that he here was this cosmic being who was plunked down in New York City in the worst time to be plunked in the big right. bad 70s sure. in and what rather than you know living as a king he he got odd jobs in order to survive while he protected James Michael Omega he worked for a local pawnbroker and so he fought these low-level villains who we've been making fun of who were maybe kind of appropriately downscale for somebody who worked at a pawn shop on the Lower East Side. Is it Lower East Side or another Hell's Kitchen? It might be a Hell's Kitchen. Right. Yeah. They like doing Hell's Kitchen. Anyway, what else? Uh, well, the, the, I thought also interesting about Omega is the story of the writing of it because um, Omega, as we were saying, was created by Steve Gerber, but... The series was canceled after ten issues, yeah, and then and he was promised that he could wrap up the story at some future date. However, uh, he was fired, right? And he well, was right. He seems like he had. We don't know. I don't know if it's directly related, but he had issues with his com- the Howard the Duck syndicated comic strip, where he apparently was <laughs> tardy in getting the work done. So at least Howard- that's what. Editor-in-chief Jim Shooter said on Wikipedia. So, friends, if you really know what the hell went down with that, let us know. Yes, might we not really be want to know the way Jim was. Shooter says it was. But when they, but but the readers, even after um, Kerber was fired, the readers were interested in Omega. People were writing in and saying, "Hey, whatever happened to Omega?" And so they said, "Okay, we're going to wrap up the character." But they decided to do it in the Defenders, which is another book. And they specifically gave it to a, another writer who didn't like Omega. So he just killed all the characters. So the two-issue arc is is a bloodbath, and they're just all... It's just... And it's even 
even by Omega standards, it's a letdown. Even by the low, low standards of you know expectations, it's making me like think about something I've never really thought about: how much drama there must have been between all these artists, all right. these writers, all these editors, the big business of Marvel. There must have been just like so much insanity going on and, and over and they must have gone home and and cried and yelled and <laughs> you know pounded the walls about Howard the Duck <laughs> um most of all though we forgot an important part of the omega mythos that we were reminded of by our very good friend Dave Baumler and Dave is a filmmaker and writer who we spoke with, who we spoke with just recently. Uh, and we have a whole episode coming up with amazing, great stories from Dave. Uh, but in addition to that, we asked him about Omega, and here's what he had to say. Great, let's check it out. I wanted to ask you whether you read Omega the Unknown when you were, when you were collecting in the, in the 70s, or if, you, if that just passed you right by. No, I didn't read Omega, uh, the you know, the 70s version, but I read that reboot that they did that was really creepy, and it, it had that sort of crazy 70s phantasm feel to it, which was really spooky and weird. Yeah, wasn't that the, uh, remember you had sent me that miniseries that, that was like maybe like six years ago, right? <laughs> you actually sent an Omega miniseries to somebody? It's possible. It's totally possible, but I don't remember doing it at all. Uh, Remember, it's the, it's the one where, like, you know, he, his parents are, like, robots or aliens or something like that. Yes, that, that's it. Pink is doing all that stuff. Remember, it's, yeah, like, it just came out, like, I don't know, eight, six or seven years ago. And you sent it to me. It's great. I loved it. But uh, it was totally weird. I'm going to have to research that because I've completely lost those cells, those mental cells where I, I had that. I'm sorry. You know, it was like David Foster Wallace rebooted Right. Omega the Unknown. Like, it was a really weird, kind of very overly literary version of it. It's really know? starting to come back to me now. Now I know what you're talking about. It was. It was like a like a cool writer, like a cool novelist yeah. or short story writer had taken over Omega. That's yeah. weird because the first, the first um, whole series, which I read the graphic novel very recently, is horrible. <laughs> it's so, like, B-list... <laughs> Even though it's um, Steve Gerber, it, you know, who's great, it's like, it's just not good at all, man. It's just all like, right, right. it really fizzles out. You can see why they just nipped it in the bud, you yeah, know? Yeah, and that, the outfit, the, the scoop neck uh, outfit on him is just so uncomfortably revealing when he hangs out with that young man. <laughs> And Dave is, of course, absolutely right. Omega had a great 10-issue reboot in 2007, which was written by the great Jonathan Lethem, the novelist, uh, with art by Farrell Dalrymple, I think you say his name. And although I had forgotten it, now that I look back on it, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's really hmm. beautifully done and... Uh, I wish I still had it. I guess I gave it to Dave. And I think it kind of redeems the character. So pick that up. Two more topics we're covering today. A very underwhelming superhero team and some very oversized comics. All right, great. We were going to talk about the champions. Oh, yeah. What a really weird book. 
there was a bunch of books that seemed to be all come out at the same time. They were all trying like to... the Eternals was around at the same time. And I think they were trying to get other super teams going. Like, the Avengers yeah. was working for people, and they thought, let's do another one. Right. Well, the Avengers had been working for a real long time. Yeah. And I guess X-Men had been working for a real long time. So The, the... Champions was Hercules, Black Widow, Ghost Rider, already... Three people never would be in the same room together. Never. Then, uh, Bobby Drake, Iceman. Right. And um, Angel. Angel. What's what was his name? Oh, I don't know, but he was like. So two Worthington the third. Sam. Or yes, Worthington. So two X Men, Hercules, Black Widow, and Ghost Rider. Why they would fight crime together, I have no idea. And I think later, who else joined later? Oh. Wasn't Never. it Son of Satan? <laughs> I think Son of Satan was considered. <laughs> they like, gave him an yeah, audition. Ghost Rider, Son of Satan, they get along. They're both part of the devil. I have a, a feeling that sometimes some comics give me, when I look back at the old issues, Right. there's some, like, Champions number one, I can look at that issue and be transported back to the chair in my right. living room that I sat and read that in. Like there's a, it's, some comics are like little portals back to childhood. So Omega, the champions, there was one other thing that we wanted to talk about in this particular podcast. Right. Which is just. a oh, Marvel Treasury Editions. It's a different um, subject really, but those Treasury Editions were gold. Yeah. I loved those so much. Often, they were treasury editions are oversized comics. Right. They were often reprints, but sometimes they were new stories. They were? I never I don't remember ever new stories, were they? Well, sure. The Superman Spider-Man team oh, up was yes. a treasury edition. That I was have like the that. oversized. And so was the uh for DC it was Superman versus Muhammad Ali. That was I have also that one too. of those things. But those are not the treasury editions proper. Those they started the big books. Didn't they have like Christmas Treasury Editions? Yes, they did. Weren't those original stories like that were just for those? or whatever. Yeah, like the Hulk's the whole Christmas. <laughs> Hulk Christmas. A, a very Hulk Christmas. <laughs> but they were fantastic. Yeah. And there was something about the size of them that was also so, uh, just so gratifying yeah. to be able to sink your whole head Spider into Spider-Man was giant... the first one. And Sp then, and, then and probably the best. Yeah. Fantastic Four is the second one. And Thor might have been three? Thor had one, definitely. I have a unique memory of this Captain America one because I bought it and it started to disintegrate. Mm. Like, not like... Books don't just start to disintegrate. I think someone had poured some acid on it or something and it just kept disintegrating. I was like... No, I was so attached to my books. Right. I was like flipping out. Yes, right. the bicentennial... Captain America, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And Mine did not big Kirby fall apart. Captain America on the cover. Mine was falling apart. The uh, the Superman-Spider-Man team-up, which mm -hmm. is like 1978. Is that when it is? In the oversized thing. It's 78? I think is it's about late? 78. Maybe it's 76. That sounds more right to me. but That is a great comic, still. And it's a great comic for kids. I wish they would reprint it, but they right. have not recently reprint like a big oversized nice copy of it. If you want to get kids into comic books, it's a fantastic. Who wrote that? It, only Ross the best. Andrew drew it. Was it was like the best people. It was like the best 
DC writer and artist and the best uh, Marvel people. Right. Like they really, they got the story very simple and very fun. Like it's Spidey and Doc Ock and then Superman and Lex Luthor and they switch villains and they fight each other's right. villains. Right, I remember that, yeah. And you le- MJ is in it and Lois Lane. And it's like a, it's just innocent in a way and yet also really fun. I remember reading about they had a lot of discussions about how to do the cover. Yes. Because who was going to be more prominent? <clears throat> and it was a big thing, I think, in the back of the Treasury Edition yes. to show you all the different versions of the cover that they had come up with. Over right. Time. Yeah, I yeah. love that one. That was pretty great. Yeah. I also associate those with concert programs at the time, which were really oversized. Mm-hmm. Wings Over America, 76, mm-hmm. was the same size. Queen had one, which was the same size. Wow, really? Yeah, and I had a, an ELO, too. Yeah, those Marvel Treasury things were cool. But I never considered them like like I really had to have them later on. You would see them at conventions and it seemed like nobody wanted them. They're cheap still. If you go to a comic book store, it's not that expensive to get one of those Treasury editions. Right, right. Oh, that's really funny, well, man. Well, it's been a pleasure talking yeah. with you about Oh, absolutely. About we, these, you uh, go on forever. Well, And we'll champions. begin to probably research more. So... Anyway, I'm Adam Bernstein. I'm Doug Bost. And we're signing off for Grown Ass Men. Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) 